Can you see me now? Yeah. Yep. There you are. Okay. You need to turn off your Sorry other mic. Sorry about... Uh, turn off your other mic, please. Sorry, folks. Uh, we had a technical difficulty and we are back. We were discussing uh, the interoperability between different chains and why we need that. So let's start with the types of interoperability. We just finished talking about interoperability of the different data types, digital assets and arbitrary. But when we also need to talk about interoperability at different levels. So at a business level, at a system level, and at an infrastructure level. So what it means, what does it mean to interoperate at a business level? Uh, at a business level or an application level means when a user logs in, they don't need to know what other networks they're communicating with. And it should be transparent. And platforms like TradeLens, uh, which is a joint uh, project between IBM and Merce, I think I believe it's closed now, but that allowed logistic providers, customs authorities, and shippers to communicate transparent. And platforms like TradeLens, uh, which is a joint uh, project between IBM and Merce, I think I believe it's closed now, but that allowed logistic providers, customs authorities, and shippers to communicate with each other irrespective. So that is the level at an application level. The other one is at a systems level is where when one blockchain system uh, would talk, communicate with another blockchain system uh, to transfer data. Particularly, there was an example where the International Association of Trusted Blockchain Applications, INABTBA, and then the European Blockchain Services Infrastructure, EBSI, they established uh, a communication, a cross-border data sharing between these two platforms. And that uh, is at a system level. It's not an application level because it's not an individual level, but it's, it's a custom-wise. Anybody who logs into those systems should be able to communicate with anybody else on the other system. So that is at a system level. And the third layer and the lowest layer is where the, com com the communication happens at an infrastructure layer. So the smart contracts run on this network can also run code on another network. So one example of this is a chain link. Uh, it's a decentralized Oracle network that provides the smart contracts run on this network can also run code on another network. So one example of this is a chain link. Uh, it's a decentralized Oracle network that provides uh, real-world data such as price feeds, weather data, and to our blockchain platforms. Right? That's an uh, uh, infrastructure-level type of thing. Right? What is the most common use case of uh, real-world data such as price feeds, weather data, and to our blockchain platforms? Right? That's uh, uh, in decentralized finance where Traditional finance services are often integrated or banking APIs or payment processes, processors. They're all like transparent to individual users, right? So the significant, most common uh, examples of infrastructure are Chainlink, which is basically uh, connects blockchain with external data sources using APIs. And then there is something called 
Interledger Protocol uh, ILP. So basically, it's a protocol, it's a standard. And this is where standards become very important, Brian. Unless we have standards, it's very hard for machines to communicate with each other. So, right, there was, that's the, we, we love, we love blockchain because it's decentralized, but that's also a big challenge as well because it is decentralized. There's not a whole, whole slate of standards, which they are starting to come up with, but there's no standards across the board. So. Yep. So, and then there is across the board. So. Yep. So, and then there is another one called Cosmos Network. It's a, a network of interconnected blockchains. So basically Cosmos is a network of all the blockchains that adhere to another one called Cosmos Network. It's a, a network of interconnected blockchains. So basically Cosmos is a network of all the blockchains that adhere to across blockchains to share data, to make the data cons information consistent and secure between that network. So that is, so, so far we looked at uh, two ways of looking at interoperability. One is uh, the type of data that it gets changed. And then the second one is the layers at which two blockchains communicate. And then we need to also, another way to look at interoperability is what type of technical methods they use, right? And there are three fundamental methods called the notary systems, the relay systems, and the hash lock systems, right? And I'll explain each one. So think of, uh, let's talk about notary systems. Think of notary systems as a trusted group of people who ensure that a transaction between two separate blockchains is valid, right? So there is a separate system that is making sure that is really enforcing, that is really enforcing, it's, it's acts like a policeman. So when you want to send assets from one blockchain to another, these notaries uh, check if everything is okay. And if it is, then they approve and record the transaction on both blockchains. It's, it's acts like a policeman. So when you want to send assets from one blockchain to another, these notaries uh, check if everything is okay. And if it is, then they approve and record the transaction from one blockchain and then committing it on both, right? And then there is another one called relays. Relays are compared to like their messengers, right? So the actual blockchains don't talk to each other, but these guys are like messengers. So they carry information between two blockchains. And they don't have the authority to approve transactions, right? But they help blockchains communicate with each other. So the one example that you gave, uh, Brian, RTC, RTB, which is a token that helps communicate, like transfer tokens between Ethereum and blockchain. Right. right. So th they are they act as witnesses. So they make sure these two blockchains are uh, are sent the information and they are the intermediary. So everybody depends on them to get their information. So they act as relays. That is one. And then the third interesting approach or technique is hash lock. The hash lock is uh, like a, it works like a secure lock and unlock mechanism to complete the transaction between two things. So you lock the data in one place, you move the data and then you unlock it. The hash lock is a, uh, like a, it works like a secure lock and unlock mechanism to complete the transaction between two 
things. So you lock the data in one place, you move the data, and then you unlock it, right? So for example, to send money from one blockchain to another, we lock the funds on the first blockchain using a secret code, right? Then we create a similar lock transaction on the second blockchain, but with a unique, right? So for example, to send money from one board, right? With a unique secret code. Then we send that to the other blockchain. Well, only the correct recipient can use that secret code. And then the funds on the first blockchain will automatically be unlocked when you use that secret code on the second blockchain. And that completes the transaction. So this method ensures transactions happen securely and simultaneously on both the systems. So this lock and key mechanism that is, is that's a very crypto uh, graphic solution that works very well for digital asset transfer. So basically, you know, one of the fascinating things about this whole ex exercise brand was when we first started this understanding, right? There are multiple ways to look at just how two groups of comp uh, computers communicate with each other. Right. And then the third, uh, the final way to look at it is what are the approaches various solutions are taking to implement, right? One is called cross authentication, which means if you are authenticated to implement, right? One is called cross authentication, which means if you are authenticated on one system, right? And if you also authenticate on the other system, on one system, right? And if you also authenticate on the other system, then you can make sure the information is going from one person or one account to the other. In blockchain, right. you know, it's, a, it's, for, it's an account is the holder of the data. So if I can ensure this account and this account are eligible, then you're making the communication between accounts, right? And that's called a cross authentication mechanism. And notary schemes are best for this. Right. So if, if there is a middleman in between uh, who can check and validate that, hey, these two are uh, the same person or authenticated on the both sides, then it can facilitate the conversation between those two accounts. So that's one approach. The other approach is basically uh, a gateway, API. Like say somebody uh, produces a, a programming interface, application program interface. That program interface can be called from within the smart contracts of a blockchain. So a blockchain can call an API with then, which can then go get the data from wherever it needs to get, right? And it is a, one of the easiest ones because it's really more for fetching data from one system to another system and API gateways are not used for digital asset exchanges, but they're only used for uh, just general type, one type of data. And if you're only using data transfers and not digital assets, API gateway is the best approach for that use case, right? So depends on what the use case is, an API gateway is probably more suitable, approaches more suitable. And then there is another one called Oracles. Mm -hmm. Oracles are agents that enable the transfer of external data to the blockchain, right? So API is just one system 
trying to do a program interface. But oracles are basically a network of computers that can run smart contracts on them, or they can be called from smart contracts, right? Uh, they are very popular because they're easy to implement and they provide data about external limits. So something particularly uh, an IoT device is collecting data, right? Getting that into the blockchain is great. But our, the, the biggest challenge with Oracle is they can't make blockchains communicate with each other. They're only good for getting data into the blockchain. So one example of uh, cross-chain authentication is, is it's very similar. Uh, when I log into, say, I don't know, Gmail, or when I log into GitHub, they'll say, hey, do you want to authenticate using Gmail? So basically, that is an example of cross-authentication, right? Cross-domain authentication. Okay, makes so, sense. Right? GitHub is authenticating me based on my Google credentials. Right. Similarly, if you have the same type of thing, you can have one blockchain providing an authentication service for other, you know, yes, this guy is, has an account here on this network, then the other account, other blockchain can use it. And API gateways are like bridge between blockchains and other non-blockchain, right? Right. So they can access data from various sources like stock prices, weather, and things like that. Uh, so those are the main ways to look at uh, interoperability. There are four different ways to look at it. And actually, I was reading an article uh, Brian, on, uh, from Deloitte. They actually provide a very decent framework for deciding what type of interoperability Operabilities needed for a given project. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we should talk about it in one of our next episodes, how to start a plan, a project, and what type of things they should use. I like that. So I'm going to close it off with some of the real-world uh, projects that people can look up. Cosmos is one. Chainlink. Polkadot. I haven't heard of Hybrix. Have you heard of Hybrix? Yeah, not till I did my research. That was it. No. Oh, do you know what they do, or do you remember? Uh, I do not remember exactly oh. what they do. Yeah, so there are there are five, seven of these: Loom Network, Vanchain, and Harmonic. So I suggest you guys look it up. And I once again apologize for the disruption today. Uh, I'll try to switch these two together somehow. With that, Brian, any closing thoughts? No, no closing thoughts. Just uh, uh, yeah, appreciate it. It was, it was great. This, uh, I, I think, this is key for the future. This is absolute key. So for it to be widely used, especially corporate on the corporate side. Awesome. Thanks. Stay tuned. Please subscribe and look uh, for our po next podcast on next Tuesday at two p.m. Pacific time. With that. Goodbye, Brian. Bye, Chuck. Have a good one. Yep.